Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast coming to you from beautiful historic Midtown Atlanta. Metron people, would you give the podcast people a big welcome? Hello, hello, hello. Again, thank you, Charles, the rock god of podcasting. We appreciate it. Uh, I do want to share something that I think, not just because it's November, but this is a, a topic that needs to be revisited often. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to take it from a particular scripture, but I, I'm calling it Celebrate Always, the Power of Gratitude to Shape Reality. And the scripture I want to start with is out of uh, 1 Thessalonians. It's chapter 5, verse 16. And in the King James, uh, Paul says, rejoice evermore. In the um, voice translation, this is why I love all the different translations, because sometimes people will pick up a little nuanced difference of something that kind of, you know, you turn the diamond a little bit and you see another facet. And what he says in the, the voice translation, he doesn't say rejoice evermore, he says celebrate always. And I'm going to come back to that phrase, but let me give you some, uh, let me give you some context. He says, celebrate always, pray constantly. That's where in the King James says, pray without ceasing. And, well, let me read this and then I'll expound. And give thanks to God no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. That's where in the King James it says, in everything, give thanks. Um, this is God's will for all of you in Jesus, the anointed. Don't suppress the spirit. Um, don't downplay prophecies. Take a close look at everything, test it, then cling to what is good. Put away every form of evil. Now, this thing about celebrate always, you know, um, Ecclesiastes says there's a, time, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to mourn. Uh, the proverb says, um, he who sings songs to him who is of a heavy heart is like one who takes away a coat in winter. So sometimes when you're in a certain zone and somebody's trying to cheer you up or, or yeah, you should just be grateful or it could be worse or you need to count your blessings, you're, you, sometimes you just want to say, shut up. You're not, you, I can't believe how insensitive you are. That's not helping me. What I'm going through right now has nothing to do with ingratitude. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans and he says, rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those that weep, meaning be sensitive to the needs of um, people and when, when, when I had church in the now and I had, I don't even know how many care pastors we had. Once the church got to a certain level, there's no way I could minister to everybody. It was just too many people for one person. So I had all these uh, mostly couples that were called care pastors. And each of them had X amount of, I think, 25 people under their, like that they were or family units that they were responsible for. And... Um, so I would tell them, I'd say, listen, when, you, when you're going to the hospital to visit somebody or you're going to a funeral home, somebody's mother's just died, you don't have to have anything to say. You just need to be there. Sometimes talking to somebody and saying she's in a better place or something, it, that's not helpful. It comes across like you're being insensitive to the fact that somebody just lost a loved one and it's appropriate for them to be upset about it. Uh, I've gone to some funerals before where uh, uh, you know the, the minister gets up and he says now we're not going to cry for this person they're in a better place I'm like I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that Jesus knew he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead and still when he saw the tomb that was a friend of his and it says Jesus wept so um, even this last funeral I did Danny was there and Ernie and Avery were there uh, the uh, it was a it was a very sad experience i mean this was not the kind of funeral that you wanted it's not like an elderly person that you say you know they've fought a good fight they've kept the faith i mean this was like this was a tragedy and um a woman got up and sang she did a beautiful job with it but the song was don't cry for me uh and it was like it's like she's channeling the person from the other side and when we got through i said i no disrespect to your performance because you've performed the song beautifully but may i say that um Yes, probably if we could hear from the other side, that is what this young man would say to us. However, we're not there yet. And because uh, I'm, I'm looking at his 11-year-old son sitting on the front row who's crying. I'm like, 
this is appropriate. Like, we all need to rally around this family and just weep with them and not, not even try to make it make sense. Sometimes when somebody's even trying to make sense of something, you just want to go, You're, man, you are so out of touch. Just shut up. Just be there. Another thing I tell people a lot of times at funerals, I will tell the family, I'll say, you're going to hear something the next several weeks. You're going to hear it a lot. It's people saying, let me know if there's anything I can do. May I please say to the fam, the friends here, please don't say that to them because they don't know what to tell you to do. If you know them well enough to do something, then just do it. Just don't stand around saying, should, should I bring a casserole? Just bring the freaking, I mean, just bring the casserole. Either you know what they like or you don't know them or send them some money for expenses or something, but don't, you don't have to. Sometimes it's, it's distracting when somebody keeps saying, what can I do? And you have to keep explaining to them. They're like, well, do you like it this way or that way? I'm like, just, just, just do it. It's fine. What about, are you alert? No, if I had allergies, I would tell you. I just never mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we did something um, that you didn't really see any pictures of this, but what we did Sunday morning at the medit- this last meditation weekend was actually um, my favorite part. It's actually, I love what we did the night before. But my favorite part of the whole thing, as I said, I, I said, I feel very impressed of the spirit to say this. Uh, I said, you hear the phrase holding space for someone a lot. And what that means is when you hold space for somebody, it means you're just present with them. You're not judging them. You're not even trying to encourage them necessarily unless unless they ask you. You're certainly not trying to advise them. Uh there's way too much unsolicited advice. Even, and if he's watching, I hope he will not be offended at this because I mean no offense. But Friday night, before I, right before I did 11-11, I was up on the roof, and a young man I'd never met before who uh, n- lives in my building, he walked out there. He said, are you doing time-lapse photography? Because I had my phone set up on a tripod. I said, no, I do a... I do a um, a live stream thing. I said, I'm a, I'm a minister. I do a live stream thing. At 11, and it's, it was like 11.05 when he came out there. I said, in, in six minutes, I'm going to go live. So I was telling him a little, we were talking a little bit, and he told me where he worked, and I had something opinionated to say about it. So yesterday, I messaged him. I said, look, uh, I didn't mean to insult where you work. That was, uh, I, please don't take that personally. I was just speaking an opinion about something. And, uh, and he said, oh, no, no, that's totally fine. He said, by the way, I watched your stream. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't ask you to, but okay, good. And he said, I agree with a lot of you said, but I don't like your, um, your, he just told me what he thought about it. It was nice, but I'm thinking, thank you for your unsolicited opinion that I didn't ask for. I mean, I didn't say, would you please watch this and get back with me and tell me what you think? And, and it's just typical. He said, if we, if we run into each other in the building, I'd like to chat again. And I wanted to say, okay, dude, I don't want to argue with you. I didn't ask you to watch. Uh, but I said, okay, fair enough. We'll see. Um, and it's, it, it's like I, I have this. I was telling Ken about this last night because there are several people that do this. Uh, if I sit down to have something delicious to eat and I think it looks really good, I will take a picture of it. That's not that unusual for Instagram or whatever. And that's just me saying, I'm just showing y'all, you know, this is what I'm doing in my day. Sometimes something cool happens with it. The other day I, te- I was over here and I messaged, I mean, I put a picture on, I'm at Metrofresh, and Henry that lives in Oklahoma texted me and said, how much is your lunch? I said, what? He said, I want to pay for your lunch. Said, okay. So I told him how much the bill was, and he Venmoed me. So I'm like, now I want to put every meal on there. Like, this is where I'm eating right now. Everybody wants to see. But um, um, sometimes if I post something like, for instance, I love Brussels sprouts. I love them. I could eat them like candy. I like them every possible way that they're uh, um, prepared. Apparently, a lot of people don't like them because if I ever post a picture, people want to show me. I get lots of emojis of people vomiting. And I'm like, this is so rude. I, first of all, this is, not a, this is not a poll. I didn't say, 
Tell me, please tell me as soon as you can what you think about about Brussels sprouts. I have to know. I'm like, I'm just sitting here, and you know, thank you for grossing me out with the with the green vomit coming out of the of the face that you are sending me. I'm not at. I didn't invite you to lunch. I'm not asking you to eat them. I'm not asking your your opinion about them. I would never do that. Some people have to tell me, nope, I'm not. Well, I didn't. I didn't ask you to eat with me. So you're good. Nobody's going to make you eat one of my Brussels sprouts. I'm already finished with it anyway. But we live in a world where everybody thinks you're asking their opinion about something, and sometimes you're not necessarily. So even when somebody's trying to, in a very well-meaning way, make you feel better about a situation that maybe you're not ready to feel better about. I mean, if can I really get real? If somebody's just really, really hurt you, you're not really ready for a lecture about forgiveness yet, right? Later, maybe, but right now you're like, you know what, Let, I, I understand the whole forgiveness piece, but I've just encountered something very difficult that I'm having to process right now. I'll get to forgiveness. Stop, you're not the boss of me. Stop telling me what to do. So, so having said that, all right, well, if, if the title of this is Celebrate Always, what does that mean, that you're just always going to be in party mode and, and you're always celebrating? I mean, that could get, that could, a little bit of that could go a long way. You could, that could be, get really obnoxious. We don't have to deal with this now because of cell phones and texting and everything, which I, whoever invented texting, they need a, a crown in heaven. It's the most wonderful thing because you can leave a note for someone and be sure that they got it, you know, leave it on a doorway somewhere that's going to fall off of that. Like, you know, it's like it's that and GPS are both right up there with who every time I use GPS, I'm like, I pronounce a blessing on the household of whoever. Oh, that and air conditioning, whoever invented air conditioning by those three people. I command a blessing on the wonderful people that created this. But um, uh, back in the days when people had um, answering machines um you know the first few years they were out people gave you way too much information you know you call somebody they're like you're being answered by an electronic answering machine you're like yeah yeah i know i'm trying to leave you i'm not here right now okay that's fine just shut up and i'll leave you the message but if you'll be so kind to leave your name your number the time that you called, the time zone that you were living in, your mother's maiden name, and your social security number. I will get back to you soon. By that time, I've already hung up. I'm like, I'm, I don't even talk to this person now. In that length of time, in, in that length of time that it takes, you know, I'd be like, I, I'm out. Like, uh, this person's dead to me now. And, uh, uh, but what was really bad is when people thought they had to really Christianize like, praise God, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm like, oh, baby, I know it's the day the Lord has made. Just please, just, how about just saying, you know what to do, beep, and I'll leave the message. But no, I've got, you got to preach me a little sermonette, and every time I leave you a message, I've got to hear the sermon again, like, please don't. And um, so those are just my personal, you know, feelings about things. I feel better having vented, thank you. But my point is, if you say celebrate always, what does that mean? That somebody's going to be inappropriately happy all the time? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, technically, a, a, a funeral is a celebration. It's not the kind of celebration where there's confetti and noisemakers and stuff. But my feeling is when I do a funeral, I, we're there to celebrate the life of the person. It's not, it's not an opportunity for me to have a an altar call or to preach a sermon. I don't frankly think anybody can preach a, a, a funeral. I think you preach your own funeral by how you live your life. Some guy will get up there and say some stuff to make it make sense and give you a eulogy and hopefully tell some anecdotes about your life. Um, when I did Larry's mother's funeral, I'd never met Larry's mother. I knew Larry, and a lot of times you know somebody by their, I did both Larry and Chandra's mother's uh, services. But uh, with Larry's, I didn't, I had at least met your mom because I visited her in the hospital, but I, I never met your mom. So, you know, Larry and Chandra are like family, so I'm like, I've gotta, I want to make sure that 
I would say something. And I think, well, I don't know her, so what do I say? So while the music's getting started, I'm reading the, um, you know, the, the program about her, and it's talking about the different types of music that she liked, and it kind of went, and, and I, could, I could put together a, a little thing, like, oh, I see who she is, like she was somebody who was always current, because I, I remember in the thing, it's like, it started with Aretha and some like old school singers, and then this was a few years ago, and then it was like, and she loved Beyonce, and so I thought, okay, well, what that says to me is, she was young at art, she kept up with the time, I mean, just from that, I was, like a, I was like a private detective. I put together this whole thing. Like, oh, that's who she is. And it must have been because when I got up there and preached, everybody was like, he's right. That's, that's, that's her. That's her exactly. And so you kind of have to know how to, like the, when I first met Ken, uh, you know, his mom had passed. And uh, so we went out to the uh, Methodist church there where she played the piano and she's, uh, her body's buried there. And so I, I went there and I spoke to the grave. I said, uh, Mrs. Marshall, I said, I know you're not here. I know you're on the other side, but this is the last place we saw you. And I just want to introduce myself and say thank you for raising such a wonderful son. And I feel like I know you because I know him. I know this could not have been, he could not have turned out this way without, you know, uh, your influence. And, uh, and it was like a really, it's a very, very special moment. The reason I'm saying all that is when, I, like, a funeral to me should be, like, for instance, I'm sure I've shared this before. And i got to be careful what I say because way more people watch this streaming than I realize. I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of them out there who will say, I saw your message Sunday. I'm like, really? I didn't even know you had my number. Okay. So um, I don't think this is, any, this is anything negative. But uh, my aunt who passed away several years ago, uh, they had, and this is nothing against the Baptists, but they had joined a Baptist church, and the Baptists typically are really strong on getting people saved, coming to the altar. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's not a stereotype. That's, that's a thing. This pastor never told one anecdote about her. I mean, it was clearly he had absolutely no clue who she was. Clearly he'd never met her. And that's supposed to be their pastor. I'm like, well, you, you, you didn't know her very well. And... I'm going to say I'm going to say he did three altar calls because the whole thing was if you ever want to see her again you must receive Jesus as your savior and he kept telling that was that was the extent of his message if you want to see her you have to go to heaven and the only way to go to heaven is you know he went took us to the Roman road and you know we after the third time we prayed the sinner's prayer with him I thought okay I think that did it now I think we're all I think that third one took. I don't know. I just feel like that third one, I just felt, I felt like that one took. No, it didn't. Because when we go out to the graveside, he starts it up again. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say, sir, I don't know you, but everybody here is saved. We are so saved. If we weren't, we definitely could have not gotten through that funeral without your three Three, count them three, and now four, and I believe you're about to do a fifth altar call. I mean, I don't know what else you can do other than bringing a tank of water out here and <laughs> baptizing us. You know, that's what Leslie Jordan, who recently passed, goes, his mother goes to Central, uh, Central Baptist Church in Chattanooga, and he was saying he, he didn't have any conflict about his own his sexuality or that he totally made peace with that. But he did say, uh, and he says his... his uh, album companies coming that he did just uh, a few months before he passed is actually really good I mean, he's, he does a thing on there with dolly parton and uh who's chris stapleton i mean it's 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 like old school southern gospel go to heaven but it's but it's very well produced and um the 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 version of uh angel band he does with brandy carlisle is incredible but anyway on the thing he says he says something about you know he talked like this and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I've been baptized like 13 times. I want to make sure it took. <laughs> and that's the way I felt with the, you know, this guy who was altar call. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're all in. I mean, even Je I, I think Jesus just said, enough already. <laughs> Stop calling my name. Y'all are saved. 
So anyway, uh, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that even times that are solemn or, or are um, uh, formal or, or something that should be taken seriously, they're still celebrations. So there's a proverb that says, um, it talks about uh, the man who, I don't know, it says something like the man who fears the Lord or something like that. But the phrase that always stays out to me is this, he, he has a continual feast. I love, Claude, you may know that reference, but I, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Whatever he says, he says well, if, if you do this, wherever you go will be a celebration. And I really do believe, I saw a meme last night. It says, if you can't be grateful over a cup of coffee, you won't be grateful for a yacht because it's all the same thing. And I thought, I know that's true. And sometimes, uh, and I'm, I'm happy for this, as I've gotten older, Every th- every beautiful experience I have, I like. I really want to. That's one thing. I, one reason I photograph things so much is like, no, I want to save this. I want to preserve this. Um, one day when my granddaughter still lived here, uh, Olivia said to me, "She says, Poppy, why are you taking pictures of us all the time?" I said, "Baby, I know you don't understand this at your age, but I'm gonna blink and you're gonna be 25. So if you're doing something that, like." I've told you this before. One day I'd taken her to the store and she had her hair back in a little braid and she just looked real, like a little cute little girl. And she's, I, she wanted some candy, so I got her all the stuff that her mom said she shouldn't have. I, I was like, you tell Poppy what you want, baby. And <laughs> um, that's what grandparents are to do is to completely override the authority of the parent. Uh, and she's, you know, she's like singing a song and she's like looping around a pole like little kids would do. Uh, you know, they're just circling around, and, and that's when she stops. She says, why are you taking my picture? I said, because you're never going to look like this again, and she doesn't. The last time Christina showed me a picture, I'm like, well, she just looks like a completely grown woman. I'm glad I got those pictures. So everything, the, to celebrate always is a, um, it's a mindset. So let me show you. Let me go through this very quickly. I got some points I want to show you. Uh, this is, I, I love this Melody Beattie quote. I use it a lot. It says, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. Uh, It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today and creates a vision for tomorrow. I mean, honestly, I could come in and read this verse, and I I can't improve on that. Because what that's saying is is that gratitude, the the attitude to celebrate always, takes every mundane thing and turns it into something amazing. Um, When... This is taken a little out of context, but when Jesus gave the parable about the man with the talents, talents is a it's a denomination of money, and uh, this man had three different stewards uh, that worked for him, and he gave each of them uh, an amount of money, and then just to see what they would do with it, and two of them uh, invested, who had a larger amount, invested the money, and when they came back, he said, "What have you done with the money?" And they said, "Well, we invested it, we made some uh, something back on it," and the one guy. Uh, who had been given the least, it was still all significant amounts of money, but the one who had been given the least, he said, he said, I knew what kind of man you are, sowing where, uh, or reaping where you did not sow. Well, right there, that's already going to get my attention. When somebody says, what, you, what do you mean you know what kind of, you don't know what kind of, what are you talking about? Like, we don't see people as they are, we see them as we are. Everything is projection. So, uh, he said, I knew what you were like, so what I did is I took my money and I put it in a hole in the ground, and here it is. Now, you would think, you would look at that and think, well, at least he didn't, he wasn't like the prodigal son, he didn't run through it. So, all right, you know, I would think, if I, if I didn't know how that story turns out, I would think, well, the reward is, Jesus said, well, at least you, you know, at least you were, it was for safekeeping. But he didn't. He said, he, he like was furious with him. And, he, and then it says, take from the man who has the least and give it to the man who's given the most. That doesn't sound fair, I know. 
But he, but he says this phrase, I think about it all the time, to them that have will more be given, to them that have not will more be taken away. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as God loving one person more than another. Um, your life is your creation. If you're going through life with a victim mentality and a chip on your shoulder, I suggest you look into gratitude because the more you feel like life dealt you a bad hand, and that's if that's your paradigm of life, all that's going to happen is you're going to continue to spiral downward. It's never going to get any better until one day you say, you know what, I'm just going to be grateful for what I have right now. Some people say, well, when things get better, then I'll be grateful. Baby, that is not the way it works. If that's, if that's what you're waiting for, you will never have enough money. Things will never line up enough. Like, everybody's going through stuff. I, I love that meme when somebody says, you know who's going through a lot right now? Literally everybody you meet. That's just called life, right? So, but if you're thinking, oh, it's, uh, you know, it always happens to me. Everything bad happens to me. Well, guess what? This time next year, more bad things will be added to the list. That's why I've been talking about this for years. The power of the list. What is that? The list is either going to work for you or against you. If you accentuate the positive things, if you say, let me tell you, let me tell you just what happened just today. Just today, I walked into a theater that I could afford to rent with people that are on the page with me, most of whom I've known for many years and have a great connection with, and I hadn't seen most of them in several weeks. And so I had, that was awesome. And I met this guy out on the sidewalk that's playing a cello, and somehow I found him, and he came, and he played beautifully, and everybody loved it, and they got it. And when I get through here, I'm going to go have lunch, and I'm going to have enough money to pay for lunch. It's going to be great. And I'm going to, this afternoon, I'm going to go home, and, uh, you know, I've got a place to go. If I want to take a nap, oh, man. When I was a kid, I always had to lay down for Sunday afternoon nap and hated it. Now I can't imagine, like, how did I ever hate a Sunday afternoon nap? Sunday afternoon nap, is uh, that's nirvana now. But there was a time, Jimmy Earl, you got to lay down, because we always had church on Sunday night. You got to lay down and take a nap. I'd be like, well, I'll lay down when I'm not going to go to sleep. Now, ooh, that feeling when you're in your chair, and you're like, I might, I might, I might be going out. <laughs> Baby, that's as good as it gets. And you wake up. This morning, you know, we had an extra hour. So that was good. But then um, my mom does this thing, and she's watching. I'm not, I'm not faulting her for it, but she, she, she has a friend who, anyway, she wants to let me know that she made it through the night. And I'm like, well, Mom, I'm going to check on you, but okay. So usually when I wake up in the morning, there's a text that says, I'm okay. I live through the night. I'm like, okay, thumbs up. That's good. I was pretty sure you would, <laughs> and I check on you every single day. So it, if you did die, you couldn't have been gone that long because, I mean, I, I know there's not, that, there's not that big a space between the phone calls, and I'm not even talking about the people that live around you, but if it, makes, if it gives you comfort to let me know that you survived the night and you're still alive, then okay, good. Uh, this morning... Uh, I was like in the middle of a dream and I was like, oh, I got an extra hour to sleep. And she accidentally called me to tell me she was alive. And uh, she said, I didn't mean to I hit the wrong thing. I meant to text you. I'm like, okay, good. I was, we'll see you tonight. So I get up, go to the bathroom, go lay back down, just dozing off again. I look at my, I'm like, man, I got like another hour. And I'm going, and then Attention, attention, there has been, immediately the alarm goes off. I'm like, are you kidding, an alarm? And there's no way, it's so loud in my building, there's no way you could stay. You, I don't care how bad off you were, you're just going to have to drag yourself. You cannot bear the, the sound. So we, uh, we both swore. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that was our first words this morning, some obs obscenities. And... Uh, Drug ourselves up, got ready. You know, you're staggering around like, 
wait, I got to have my wallet. I'm, I don't know what's, you know, is the building on fire or whatever. So we get, we get totally dressed. We're totally dressed. I'm already ready. I got the, the door to my loft open. Like I'm about to say, come on, we need to go. And just as he gets to the door, it stops. So I'm thinking, false alarm. But this is, why, this is how I look at it. I think, well, you know what? A lot of people don't have a mom that's still on this side. Some of you would say, I'd give anything to get a text that she's still alive. So I try to think of that, and I don't, I don't take it for granted. And then, what's that? Right. And it's fine. And I was like, I'm not mad at her, but she wants me to know that. That's fine. It's, it, you know, it probably makes sense to do it. But I'm saying gratitude makes me say, don't let this annoy you. Be grateful that you got this text this morning. And then I go back to sleep in the bed that I'm grateful for. And then I wake up again. I'm like, well, I should be grateful that the, that the fire alarm works. Because if the building was on fire, as obnoxious as it is, I would like to just not lay in the bed and burn to death. So, like, that would be, you know, crazy me. Like, maybe I should be grateful for that. And then when it stopped, I thought, well, I should be grateful that we're not standing out on the sidewalk. I mean, seriously, that's what this is talking about. Gratitude automatically, when something's about to be a complaint, gratitude says, no, 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 look at, look at the good that's in this. And I'll tell you, it's like a muscle that you develop. The more you do it, the more you attract good things to yourself. The more you, if you've got a complaint list, and you know people that have that, Every time you talk to them, they tell you, and I guarantee you the next time you check on them, they go, oh, you can't believe what's happened now. And now like, they've added three more horrible things. And you think the list now has taken on a power of its own. The list itself has a centrifugal force to it that the more you add to it, it just gets stronger in your life. You're now a victim of your own list. So the reason why, even the reason why I use virtual reality to always accentuate what's positive. And I, I, you know, I post memories, pictures of memories of things that I want to remember that were good. Like today in my memories, I posted some pictures, but there was also memories of, you know, from seven years ago, hey, I got dad home from surgery, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to post those. Like we, we already been through that. I just want to show you like, here's the, here's the wonderful things that I want to remember. And the more you celebrate it, the more there is to celebrate. Amen. Uh, next thing I want to show you is uh, Emerson. I can't teach without an Emerson quote. You know, I love Emerson. Uh, he says, cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. Now, that's, that's next level when you can say, all right, I'm going to be, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and be grateful for everything, even though the scripture I originally read says, in everything give thanks, not necessarily for everything give thanks. But I do think there is a higher frequency, and that is saying, I'm just going to believe it's all a blessing. And if it doesn't look like a blessing yet, it eventually will. I will wrestle with the, I love the story, whether these were li literally happened or not, the truth of them is, is, uh, is eternal. When Jacob wrestles with, depending on which translation you read, some, people, some translation says he wrestled with the Lord. Most translations say he wrestled with an angel. Uh, but he said, it says that he, they wrestled all night long. And finally, Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And, and he did get blessed, but he got injured in the blessing. It says he limped away from the, uh, but, but he still prevailed. And that to me is something you should approach everything. In, I can't tell you how many times I've counseled my children with this. If they had something negative, I said, wrestle with the angel until it blesses you. Like, you don't let it go. This thing's not over until I get a blessing out of it. And, and it, it may be uncomfortable. You might get injured. You might limp away from the match. But, but you will limp away blessed. And so with everything that comes to you, you determine. This is what I love about things I've studied in quantum physics, about the unified quantum field that is full of... of uh, unlimited potential that is neither good nor bad things, but however you observe it, it collapses into your reality. That to me is tree of life versus tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that everything that happens, you think, well, it doesn't look like a blessing yet, but it will. 
and I will wrestle with this thing until somehow, like, I mean, I'm, I really believe you can get to a point where you're like, whatever comes to me. It's kind of, you know, I visualize it like those, uh, like a goalie on a soccer team, you know, where he's just, he, he's just going back and forth and he's intercepting every, like, you know, it's like everything that's thrown at you, you're like, uh, if it's negative, you're like, I'm, I'm not accepting it. And if it's uh, positive, you let it go and you let it come in. And and if it if it doesn't look like a blessing yet, you send it back. Like don't don't hit this again into this goalpost until this thing's a blessing. Uh, number four, I got to quote Oprah. I think most times she's referred to now as the Oprah. Uh, True forgiveness is when you can say thank you for that experience, man. Don't get me on a teaching about forgiveness. But until you can say to the person who did whatever, thank you, even if you never speak to him again, to say, I learned something from you. I grew up because of this. Uh, it's, it, until you can thank them, you're still victimized by them. If it's, if it's nothing but thank you because you showed me what I was made out of. Because if this had happened... If this had happened a year ago, I wouldn't have survived it. But you have given me a touchstone, and I see I've made some really impressive progress. So thank you. Thank you for that. As miserable as it was for me, thank you. Um, that's why I even, you know, there's a, an art to forgiveness. I've even told people, whether they send the letter or not, if there's somebody you need to forgive, write them a letter and say, I want to, and, and don't victimize yourself in it. Say, this, these are the things I learned from this terrible thing you did to me. And this is what I know I'm made out of now because of you. I, didn't, I had no idea what my superpowers were until you revealed them to me. That's when, your power, that's when forgiveness, that's when it kicks in, is when you can finally say thank you. Oprah. Can somebody say amen, Oprah? All right. And number five, Dr. Dispenza, I like to quote him. He's actually, that's actually him up on the mountaintop. Uh, something as simple as moving into an elevated state of joy, love, or gratitude for five to ten minutes a day can produce significant epigenetic changes in our health and bodies. Epigenetics is, is it's a science that says even things that are in your DNA can possibly be changed by the change. I mean, it's, I don't want to argue with you about it. It's, uh, some people think that's not possible, that DNA is static, and you can't, there's a, but there's a lot of, a lot of, um, data that says yeah they're actually they're over a period of time there can be a dna changes you're not even just uh trapped in your physicality there are things that can change that's that's for a whole other story but his point is if you're before you can even get there you got to start with gratitude and gratitude is what takes what is and makes it that much better uh, i think i have two more memes i want to show you this is uh, eckhart tolle who says, acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. It absolutely is. Um, look, I know Thanksgiving's got it, you know, there's, there's baggage with it. I know the whole, I, I know all the controversy. I'm talking about just the, the pure, I'm not talking about pilgrims and in, indigenous people. I'm, I'm talking about just the fact that there is a, a day set aside on the calendar that reminds everybody just just be grateful you don't exchange gifts uh it's it's all about gratitude even the most unspiritual people in the world will still go around the table and say well say what you're grateful for it's a wonderful exercise and it's something you should do every day because i guarantee you if you start counting the blessings i promise you the blessings so far outweigh uh, any of the negative. I mean, you can keep griping about gas prices and watch gas prices go up, or you can say, well, I just thank God that this is going to get better, this too shall pass, and right now I have money to put gas in this car and a car to put it in. So instead of me just sitting around and griping about the same thing that everybody else is griping about, why am I not just grateful that there's gasoline available and I'm not having to wait in a long line like people do in some countries I have to wait hours just to fill up my tank it's all the it's all the gas that i want amen oh y'all got quiet on me on that when y'all like complaining uh and then finally letitia ray says this is a simple statement but so profound if you cannot find gratitude 
you'll never find peace. And I completely believe that. Until you have an epiphany about gratitude, all the counseling in the world, all the therapy in the world, all the inner healing in the world, is, it's not going to do anything for you. Everybody in the world can counsel you and pray for you and try to cast stuff out of you. And you can, you can stand in healing lines. You can do all of that. It's not going to change anything until the gratitude switch is clicked on. Um, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, in everything, uh, with prayer and supplication, give thanks. In everything. Like even when you're praying for something, begin it with a, a gratitude. Does, don't just go right into, this is what I need, this is what I want. It's acknowledging what I already have. You know, you, I don't know if you've been to this place with God or not, but I, I got to this place um, with God some years ago. That I, I realized I had been so blessed in my life that I really, I know this sounds kind of unnecessary to say, but I remember saying in my uh, prayer one day, I said, just so you know, you've, you've been so over the top in blessing me that if you never did anything else for me for the, from here on out, I'm, I'm good to go. I don't, have enough, I, I don't have enough time to thank you for all that you've already done. I know that sounds like an extreme statement, but, buddy, if there is a God somewhere that blesses people, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happens when you say that to him. He's like, you come here. You thought you had blessing. I'm going to bless you coming in. I'm going to bless you going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. You're blessed in the basket. You're blessed in the store. In the Hebrews, it says he will run you down and overtake you with blessings. Uh, Jesus said, men will give unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Jehovah um, Rapha is the God who heals, but... Um, uh, Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides, and El Shaddai is the God, the God who's just too much, the God who's just over the top, the God who's like, it's just, this is too much. Um, last night, I'm assuming she paid me for a painting, I, or maybe she might have just paid, I don't know, but she paid me like twice what I normally would ask for a painting, and there was a time I would have just said, no, now that is, that is too much. But you know what I said? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's a really good painting. You're going to love it. She hadn't even seen it yet. And I don't even know if that's payment for the painting. She just said, just because. I'm like, okay. Yay! Because especially if you've been a giver all of your life, which I have been, at some point, you know, when a farmer keeps planting seeds, he can't argue with the ground if it's producing a crop. At some point, you got to say, oh, well, I planted these seeds. It's supposed to happen. So if you're going to be a cheerful giver, you better learn to be a cheerful receiver. And if somebody does something for you, stop insulting them and saying you shouldn't have. Yes, they should have. <laughs> I used to have a thank you, Avery, for clapping. I used to have a joke with my dad when he was you know, still all there, but if he ever gave me money, I would always say, oh, thank you, I wish it could have been more, and he would laugh, because that's what usually people will say when they give, like, I'm giving you something, I wish it could have been more, but he'd give to me, like, oh, thanks, I wish it could have been more, and he always thought that was funny, because um, I was semi-serious, and, uh, but it's not, it's not a matter of greed, it's a matter of just like, well, I don't want to block the blessings, if somebody wants to bless me, why am I, why am I arguing with them, I didn't ask for it so if they want to do it it's really inappropriate for me to argue with them about uh why they you know shouldn't and if you're that way with people all the more whoever whatever your image of god is uh that's how you should believe that god is good and beneficent and loving and wants to bless you it doesn't make sense any other way why would there be a god somewhere that creates a race of people that he just wants to punish and afflict all the time that doesn't like why? Why would that, if God is love, I mean, if you love somebody, aren't you always thinking of one other thing you could do for them? Even if it doesn't involve money, it's just like, oh, I could do this. You know, because if you really love somebody, like even as something as simple as, um, 
when we were, I did a, I'm coming to a close, I did a uh, wedding in Charlotte two weeks ago. And um, we were, we had checked out of the hotel, and on the way, uh, we were going to go see the guy's house that they had just built. And uh, as we're going there, it's on Sunday, two weeks ago today, uh, I said, wow, what is that building over there? That is so cool. And Ken says, oh, man, I totally forgot. that This is where the um, headquarters for NASCAR is. And when we first met online, he had listed himself as a, as a NASCAR fan. And when we did meet, I said, let me just, let me save us both some time. I'm never going to go watch cars ride around in a circle for eight hours. And I don't want to take that away from you. And if that's really important, so for, for the nearly 11 years we've been together, on occasion I have said, because Ken knows, you can't believe what he knows about cars. We'll be driving on the expressway. He'll, oh, that's the new 2023 so-and-so. He, he knows the I'm like, how do you know all this? He knows who's here. We drive into the parking lot. He says, oh, so-and-so's here today. He knows what y'all drive. I don't even know what I drive. I'm like, how do you know? How do you know this? And I know he loves, his dad ran a parts store, and he grew up playing this. So I, I know he knows all that, and it's real important to him. And I always felt bad, because now I'll go watch sports. I don't mind going to a football game. That's why that, but watching cars ride around, that's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. And I feel like, I mean, I'm an influencer. There's no way I could pretend like I enjoy it. Like I would, <laughs> I could just, I'm just not that good an actor. And it's going to make you have a miserable time. So go with your brother or your buds from work or whatever, and it's fine. Well, he never has. So he said, oh, that's the NASCAR museum. And I said, well, find out if it's open and we'll go. So he, he said, yeah, they're open at 5 o'clock. I said, well, let's go. He said, you want to go? I said, I want you to want go. I'm going to go with you. So we go, to, we go see the house, and we tell these guys, and they're like, one, uh, one of those dad was a NASCAR driver. He said, well, I've been wanting to go to that. Can we go with you? And we're like, yeah, sure. So we take the train, and we go, and I was so happy. I mean, it was cool. I mean, I, it was, I'm, I'm interested in museums and how they put stuff together. It wasn't, it wasn't a miserable experience for me, but definitely not something I would have done on my own. But I was so happy him i don't know if you saw this picture but he got in this car that was a simulator where he could like simulate driving and i took a picture and his face was so lit up i was like this was so worth it just to see i could tell he was like in heaven and i didn't rush him to like let's look at everything in here it's fine and i thought i i really love him because i want him to have this like oh i'm so glad this worked out that you could have this experience, and I'm taking pictures, and like, so if anybody says, where's the NASCAR museum? I'm like, Charlotte, North Carolina, baby, I've already been there. But that's how you know, that's what love does. Love says, I'm so happy that you're happy. It doesn't matter if it's my thing or not. I'm just, now, if we wanted to go every weekend, I'd be like, I might, I might sit the next one out. <laughs> See it. <laughs> See if James, one of them guys from work, wants to ride up there with you. But but the other day, it was like, oh, this is wonderful that we could have this experience. That's what that's what blessing does. That's what, and that's the way God is toward you. Amen. So I know. All right. I know that wasn't super deep, but it's where you live. Thank you, thank you, sister. Let's, let's all stand. And you know what? Before, I, before we do the outro, just, I want you to just think for a minute how blessed you are. Just how blessed you are to be in this room with people who you know and people who love you. And I'm so grateful. I know most of you do not live in this community. So the, the fact that you drive all the way here, I'm grateful that the Mooneyhams drove all the way up from Columbus. That, that makes me feel very honored. I don't take any of that for granted. I think, wow, this is... This is important to you, and it's important to me. And so, you know, just think about all that you have for which to be grateful. And um, just, if it feels right to you, just raise your hands and just, and just honor your blessing. Honor gratitude. Honor the things you have to be thankful for. Count your blessings. Spirit of God, as the people stand here, I just, I just pray that you'll make people aware of things they hadn't even thought of to be grateful for. 
and that they have a, an epiphany about it. And that even the things that we initially perceive to be negative, we take this exhortation from Paul and we celebrate always. We celebrate in the good times. We celebrate in the bad times. We celebrate when things are, seem to be going our way. We celebrate when they don't. We celebrate when we feel good. We celebrate when we don't feel good. We celebrate when we don't know how things are going to work out. We celebrate when it is worked out. For whatever the situation, we celebrate always. We rejoice evermore. This is a beautiful day. We're grateful for this day. We're grateful for the opportunities. We're grateful for the blessings. We thank you for it. In your name. Amen. Give God a praise in this place. Please remain standing, and we're going to run the outro, please. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give anytime using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit missionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, just make it payable to JESM and Danny will be back there to receive it. If you have cash, just pay it forward. Give it to Johnny He's uh, or Jalove. Give it to him. He came in and per gave us part of his gift today. So if you had some cash you wanted to put in the uh, in the offering today, nobody's going to put a uh, uh, pass a plate around. So just give it to him, and I guarantee you he will take it. Didn't you enjoy that? Wasn't that beautiful? Y'all want to have him back? That was some good stuff. Seriously, beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, you are blessed. Have a beautiful day. Uh, I will see. I will. I'll be back on streaming tomorrow night at eleven eleven. But I will see you back here on Sunday, December fourth. God bless you. Go in peace. The angel of the Lord encamps round about you to keep you in all your ways.